Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Welcome to the very first podcast-only episode of The Daily Boogie. I'm glad you're with us. If you want to follow for updates on the show, please do at Twitter, at Boogie Bumper. If you want to become a subscriber and help us grow, click the subscribe link on your Podbean app or head over to patreon.com forward slash Boogie Bumper. Every little bit counts and I appreciate you being with us. Hopefully you get something out of it. I'm definitely looking forward to it. In light of the news today about the Canadians finally getting over the line. They finally came back to the table. They said, you know what? We've had we've had enough of this muck and a boot. Uh, Donald, it's time to let bygones be bygones. We want to be friends again. There was much tough talk coming from north of the North American border. The Canadians were apparently holding out for a better deal or holding out to keep the current deal. Who knows what they were holding out for? Maybe it was just really cold outside. That's something perhaps that we haven't analysed. But in light of the news, I thought we'd do a little bit on that today. So I was perusing around the CNN website, came across this headline. What if Trump's confrontational trade stance actually works? Question mark. And I thought, wow, what if it's working already? <laughs> Have we considered the possibility that it's already working? That it's already has worked? With, say, Mexico, for example, or South Korea? Or the EU, even if we want to go that far. Even though Donald Trump's not a necessarily a big fan of the EU, still seems to be able to sit down and get a trade done. Even with his confrontational, aggressive and erratic style, which we will get to. So, just under that headline, this is on, like I said, the CNN website. What if Trump's confrontational trade stance actually works? Will this be some Mia Culpa from CNN? I think that's what a lot of media watchers are watching for. Some kind of some kind of action, some kind of stance, some kind of rhetoric where the CNNs and the MSNBCs of the world put their hand up and say, you know what, we got it wrong. We've been telling you, the Donald Trump voter, for the last two years that, no, you're an idiot. You're uneducated. You're voting for the wrong thing. Donald Trump, he can't go around the world in this manner, beating his chest like some kind of Neanderthal demanding better deals for the American people. He can't do that. There is an order to things. There is a way things are done. And I'm sorry, Mr. President, the way you do things ain't the way it's done. So we can't have that. We can't have you behaving in this manner. If you're waiting for that moment, you may have to wait a little longer. There's a, there's a short video that comes with this article. Let's let it run for a bit and see what they've got to say over at CNN. Negotiators have signed on to a rewritten North American free trade agreement. Ah. Canada agreed to the new NAFTA deal, preserving the trade pact between the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. Sources say the final stumbling blocks were worked out. The U.S. will have greater access to Canada. I love the fact that they have to come out and say it's a new NAFTA. Uh, as we know that Donald Trump, he said, look, 
I'm going to try and renegotiate NAFTA. I'm tr- going to try and get a better deal for America. Now, people will argue the toss over things on the fringe when it comes to these matters. They'll say, well, it's not really as good a deal as it could have been or it's not really what this particular industry wants or what that particular industry wants. But these these trade negotiations are complex, complex environments. And you'll always be able to find something that you don't like. And people will say, well, that, that was the criticism of Donald Trump in the first place. He's, he's picking up, he's cherry picking bad things. Yeah, I take all that on board. But he has, in essence, done what he said he was going to do from the get-go. He said, I'm going to try and renegotiate NAFTA and put something else in place. Now, he's called the new agreement the USMCA, decided to rebrand. But of course, on CNN, you can't just come out and say that. You have to say, no, no, this is just another, this is still NAFTA. It's still NAFTA. They've just He's just changed a few things here and there, but it's still NAFTA. Why do they have to do that? Because not doing that, because by coming out and saying this is a new agreement, they would be admitting to the audience that Donald Trump has actually done something that he promised to do. And they can't do that. That breaks the narrative. They have to maintain that Donald Trump is hoodwinking people and fooling his uneducated supporters with game playing and politicking. Let's play that let's play that little bit again. Negotiators have signed on to a rewritten North American Free Trade Agreement. Canada agreed to the new NAFTA deal preserving the trade pact between the US, Mexico and Canada. Sources say the preserving the trade pact between the US, Mexico and Canada which denies the reality that up until today Canada wasn't even in this preserved trade pact. I mean if it was preserved They would never have left, but don't let logic get in the way of a good opinion piece. The NAFTA 2.0 agreement, this is the article, or USMCA as Donald Trump wants to call it, and it would appear to, he would appear to have won the right to call it whatever he wants, ought to be sending chills up the spines of diplomats and trade negotiators around the world. Why do you ask? Well, as the author continues, because Trump got his way. And now, no one can tell him his bull in a china shop way won't work. Bravo, CNN. Bravo. I I love the use of language here. Ought to be sending chills up the spines of diplomats and trade negotiators around the world. I would have thought that having a president who is predictable in how they approach trade negotiations would please the diplomats and the trade negotiators. At least they know what they're dealing with. They know that when Donald Trump makes a demand or he begins the negotiation process that he's going to try and fight very hard for that deal to get done and for it to be favourable. That should please them. That gives them parameters to work in. But of course, uh, if, if it doesn't please them, if it's sending chills up their spines, then one can only deduce, ladies and gentlemen, that the diplomats and trade negotiators are more outraged that Donald Trump appears to be winning than Donald Trump being predictable in how he goes about negotiations. Back to the article. Should Sunday night's sudden 11th hour approval of the US-Mexico-Canada agreement, the use of language again, the sudden 11th hour approval, hasn't this been held in 
trade purgatory for the last four weeks, if I'm not mistaken. Not to worry. Should sun, uh, Sunday night's sudden 11th hour approval of the US-Mexico-Canada agreement give hope or dismay to Europeans hoping to do a trade deal with America? To China fearing a trade war with the United States? Or to Iran and Europeans hoping to do any sort of side deal without American participation? Question mark. In fact, from this perspective across the Atlantic, this NAFTA reboot should only reinforce the newly apparent reality. And that is, what is that reality, you ask? Good question, comrade. Trump's unhinged from precedence in your face negotiating style actually works. Wow. <laughs> unhinged from precedence. Yes, the steady decline, this, the steady decline and exodus of major industries from the US and the Western world more broadly over the last 50 years. Well, we can't change that. We just want that to continue as normal. <laughs> That's got to continue uninterrupted. You could, he could have written Trump's departure from recent history when it comes to negotiating style, but that doesn't have the same sexy aspect to it, does it? No. The unhinged from precedence. Got to squeeze unhinged in there. Crowbar that emotive term in to leave you with a certain impression. Back to the article. Indeed, Sunday evening. A senior American official came right out boldly and boasted to the Wall Street Journal that the new pact was, quote, a template for the new Trump administration playbook for future trade deals. The official might even have left off trade. This kind of bludgeon thy neighbor tactics. <laughs> bludgeon thy neighbor tactics. <clears throat> yes. Uh, in in deals where the partner the partner country the the other party in the deal comes out and says you know what this isn't a bad deal this is pretty good this is going to go well for all of us I mean think of all the press conferences with the world leaders smiling and shaking hands with Donald Trump that is apparently the smile and the the pleasant demeanor of someone that has been bludgeoned half to death ladies and gentlemen economically of course. This kind of bludgeon thy neighbour tactics could work quite well, thank you. In dealing with most of the adversaries Trump has created or confronted in his first two years in office. Well, you know what they say, you can't make an omelette unless you break a few eggs. So maybe he has created some enemies, I'm not sure. It seems like they're all lining up to sign new trade deals from where I'm sitting. All three countries, the US, Mexico and Canada, were characterising it as a win-win-win. Hang on a second. In the, in the previous paragraph, we just got told that he was bludgeoning these countries to death. What the hell's going on? Whack. Tariffs on steel. Whack. Better deals for farmers. Whack. More corn, more soy. Whack, whack. Thank you, sir. May I have another... Can you bludgeon me in the face this time? That is that is some that is some tasty bludgeoning. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Mr. President. All three countries, the US, Mexico, and Canada, were characterizing it as a win-win-win. But the leading French daily, Le Monde, called it like they saw it. Oh, the French. Finally growing a spine, the French, and calling it like they see it. Trump imposes on Canada a new free trade accord. Now, I'm not going to be someone who dismisses French opinion and French thought, especially in the world of politics. I quite like French people. I've been to France. I quite like France. You know, France, the nation, has contributed a lot to the politics of 
individual liberty and philosophy and the Enlightenment era. But I suspect if we're looking for a counter-argument, a critique of Donald Trump's recent victories when it comes to the areas of trade negotiation, if we have to get commentary on the US, Mexico and Canada trade deal in order for it to be critical and go to the leading French newspaper, Le Monde, we might be reaching a little bit, CNN. Just a thought. Just a thought. And it was particular it was particularly nasty too, the headline. Trump imposes on Canada a new free trade accord. Ooh. Them's fighting words, monsieur. This is the second trade pact that Trump has managed to strike this year. In March, following months of bluster and threats. <laughs> I, I don't know if they haven't caught on to Donald Trump's negotiation style yet, or if they are being honestly deceptive to coin a new term. I, I, I suspect you know which which one I'm referring to. Following months of bluster and threats of torpedoing the six-year-old Korean-US trade agreement, Korea consented to a new omnibus pact. Another, another win by getting smashed in the face with a wooden club by the caveman Neanderthal Donald Trump as he scratches his behind, grunts, burps and farts, stomps around the, the world holding his club ready to bludgeon bludgeon his friends into signing new trade deals. <laughs> Korea consented to a new omnibus pact, agreeing at once to slash its average annual steel exports to the US by 30% and to have its aluminum exports to the US taxed at a 10% level. At the same time, Korea agreed to double the number of American trucks that could be sold there to 50,000 per manufacturer per annum while scrapping other sales barriers, including emission standards. Trump bludgeoned the South Koreans into this arrangement. There's that word again. (laughs) With all of this bludgeoning, one wonders where he finds the time to be president, to be honest with you. Trump bludgeoned the South Koreans into this arrangement, which he finally signed last month. Now it's taking too long. See, He finally signed this agreement last month after bludgeoning our allies for six months previous to that. (laughs) See, finally signed last month. You could just say signed last month. It's funny because when it suits us, these these trade negotiations are incredibly complex, too complex for a Neanderthal that bludgeons people in caves like Donald Trump. But these are complex, nuanced discussions filled with diplomacy and levels of complexity of economics and you know, internal politics that take years and years and years and years to define terms and to reach some kind of agreement. Now that Donald Trump is in office, six months, oh, what are you waiting for, mate? Why don't you hurry up? Jeez, we've been, we've been sitting here. How long are you going to bludgeon us before you get this bloody deal done? When it suits us. At the very moment, North and South Korea were seeking a rapprochement that would, within weeks lead to an invitation culminating in the Singapore summit between Trump and North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. It showed, Trump pointed out, that tough talk on the trade front and use of other forms of diplomatic pressure, not to mention military threats, can produce significant results. Oh, you you mean saying things like Little Rocket Man and unleashing fire and fury unlike the world has ever seen. Of course, 12 months ago, this kind of stuff was frowned upon. How, how dare this madman carry on like this in the White House? This has never been done before. 
This, this angry wild beast going around bludgeoning our allies, threatening fire and fury. There's going to be World War Three. There's going to be a collapse in world trade. Now about five paragraphs into a CNN opinion piece, it's like, well, you know, the use of militaristic threats can produce significant results. Well, you don't say. If only you were listening 12 months ago, comrade. <laughs> Much You could have retained some of your ratings, I suspect. But these two packs, NAFTA 2.0, now we're calling it NAFTA 2.0, and KURUS, that would be the Korean-US agreement, are only the tip of a very deep iceberg. Still on the horizon are two sets of omnibus negotiations the US will need to begin with Britain and Europe, and that leaves the UK behind in its exit from the European Union, known as Brexit. None of those talks can really begin in earnest until the Brexit process is completed likely no earlier than next March, an eternity in trade walk years. So, <laughs> in trade talk years. So now, six months is is way too long, far too long, and he should have signed it a lot earlier. But these deals take years and years and years, and they're nuanced, complex discussions that have to be finitely detailed in order for them to be accurate and worth anything. But next March, no, that's an eternity again. That's, that's an eternity away. Forget about next March. It's over. Finally, of course, there is the mother of all trade disputes developing into a trade war between the world's two leading trading nations, China and the US. Neither side here seems to be anywhere near the early round of productive negotiations, let alone making the kinds of concessions that Trump managed to wring from Korea, Mexico, and now Canada. Bludgeoned. Bludgeoned out of Korea, Mexico, and Canada. Moreover, with the end of the Obama-negotiated Trans-Pacific Partnership, there are really no other reliable trade packs involving the US across Asia. Still, as Trump told a news conference the morning after his NAFTA victory, that's a NAFTA victory, Japan and India have indicated an interest in negotiating tariff agreements. Well, I guess Japan and India are looking at these partners being bludgeoned coming out of it saying it's a win-win and saying they're saying to themselves, we need to, we want some of that. We want some of that. I hope you haven't worn out your bludgeoning arm, sir, because we want to be bludgeoned just like the Mexicans, the Canadians and the Koreans. The president called these overtures a tribute to his tough stand on trade, indeed, on all sorts of relations between nations, friends or enemies. What of Donald Trump's tough talk on trade? What of Donald Trump's blustering bull in a China, China shop bludgeoning style? This was Justin Trudeau speaking to Sleepy Eyes Chuck Todd around three, four months ago in regards to Donald Trump's bludgeoning bull in a China shop disparaging comments about his nation Oh, Canada. The idea that, you know, our soldiers who had fought and died together on the beaches of World War II and the, and the mountains of Afghanistan and have stood shoulder to shoulder in some of the most difficult places in the world that are always there for each other, somehow this is insulting to them. The idea that... <laughs> that Donald Trump... <clears throat> Donald Trump is insulting Canadian, fallen Canadian war heroes who were left on the on the banks of Western Europe fighting against the Nazis. <laughs> yes. Donald Trump negotiating for a better deal. Of course, you'll remember the comments he said, uh, something along the lines of, 
not not being self-sufficient in vital industries such as steel manufacturing with the unpredictability and fluid nature of international geopolitics right now, uh, that would be a threat to our national security, which is, of course, a rational and reasonable point. You know, if you have the ability to be self-sufficient, you should indeed make use of that to be reliant on somebody when, I mean, on the one hand, MSNBC and CNN and the rest of the corporate media are telling us that the world's never been so unsafe, that Donald Trump is a threat to everything, that politics and foreign foreign relations is getting increasingly difficult, tensions have never been higher. And then at the same time, when someone from the Trump administration suggests, well, in that case, we, sh- we should be self-sufficient in the area of steel manufacturing so we continue to fuel our own war machine should the fit hit the metaphorical share. And they go, oh, don't be ridiculous. What are you, don't be ridiculous. Nothing's going to happen. Just sit back and relax and eat your quarter pounder, sir. It'll all be fine. The uh, Canadian uh, steel that's in military, uh, military vehicles in the United States, the Canadian aluminum that makes your, uh, your fighter jets is somehow now a threat. The fact that, I mean, <laughs> next week we're hosting a, the G7 Summit of, of World Leaders, and the airfield, the military base that Air Force One's going to land in was put there in World War II to protect an aluminum uh, smelter yep. uh, that was providing uh, to the military effort. The idea that we are somehow a national security threat to the United States is quite frankly insulting and unacceptable. So, <laughs> Fantastic spin there from Justin Trudeau. Um, I do have to call bullshit on that, though, Justin. It's not unacceptable because you rolled up and signed the deal today. So where is your outrage now, my friend? Where is your outrage now, sir? Of course, as we stated, Donald Trump wasn't saying that Canada is a threat. I don't think he was saying that Canada might declare war on the United States. (laughs) But rather, self-sufficiency for any nation, not just in this day and age, but in any day and age, is an aim worth aiming for, is a goal worth aiming for. You don't want to be on the brink of going to war with an unfriendly overseas and then having to wait for Justin and the Canadian crew to ship some steel over the border, if you can avoid it. Anyway, moving on. Uh, You'll remember that the comments that were released by Bloomberg International, the Donald Trump comments about Canada, the disparaging comments which would torpedo the trade deal which was signed today. Yes, those comments. Uh, they were released by Bloomberg International. And the funny part about that was Bloomberg, you know, Donald Trump was obviously upset that these private off-the-record comments, you'll remember, were being leaked. Bloomberg said, no, we didn't leak it. Somebody else gave us the comments and we reported it. <laughs> Which is apparently a new corporate media loophole in getting information out that would otherwise be taboo. You know, it's a pretty it's a pretty high ethical standard off the record. When somebody says this is off the record, generally journalists in the past have adhered to that value. Okay, no, he said off the record, it's off the record. I mean, you know, it might come in handy when you're talking to other people, but what's off the record stays off the record until now. Now when somebody says it's off the record, you as a journalist can take those comments to another publication and the other publication can put them out in the public (laughs) 
And when that publication is accused of uh, publishing off the com- off the record comments, they could say, no, 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 they're not. They weren't off the record when they were given to us. They were off the record then, but then they were given to us, and now they're fair game because now we're just reporting news. But the the journalist at the time was a guy for the Toronto Star, uh, Daniel Dale, I believe his name was. And around a month ago, he was on MSNBC discussing how the Trump comments might end any future negotiations between Canada, what Canada might be trying to do, and how everybody should respond to it. Check this out. Say good than bad. And with independence, it breaks two-thirds in favour of NAFTA. Even in Canada, not everybody likes NAFTA. Not everybody thought it was a great deal. But in the end, it is kind of imperative for these two countries, which now have the second largest trade relationship uh, after China and America. It is imperative for these two countries to figure something out. Is it going to happen? I can't say, Ali. I mean, we... <laughs> now, again, anybody who's been watching Donald Trump for the last two years and being an objective, unbiased, honest onlooker will tell you that the Trump negotiation style is well known. Well known. If the average man in the street can figure it out, then why can't these people? And I'll tell you how the average man in the street figures it out. Uh, How about buying a car? Just say you want to pay $4,000 for a new car. You go up to the guy and you say, how much for the car? He says $5,000. Now, he might know that the car's only worth $4,000, but he's trying to get the best possible outcome, the best possible price for that new car. You want to pay $4,000. Well, you don't come out straight away and say, the best I can do is $4,000, because you're trying to get a little bit cheaper than that. $4,000 is what you'll settle for. That's what you're willing to pay in the beginning. But if you come out and say $4,000 from the get-go, he's going to say, I can't go any lower than four and a half. Are you keeping up with me? So you come back and say $3,000. Now, he might come back and say, well, I can go four and a half. You come back and say, I can go three and a half. He comes back and says, I tell you what, four grand, it's yours. Drive it off the lot right now. Away you go, sunshine. You've got your $4,000 car. He's got his $4,000 deal and everybody wins. It's a win-win. This is how you would bludgeon somebody on a used car lot, apparently, according to the corporate media. But the people, the commentariat either don't get it or, as I as I suspect, do get it but can't admit it because that would shatter the narrative that they've built around Donald Trump for the last two years. That being he's erratic, he's unpredictable, he's a wild man, he breaks norms, he's unethical, etc. and so on. Let's carry on with Daniel Dow. We don't know for sure. I think, you know, Canada's ideal outcome might be just dragging this on as long as possible and then having Trump not terminate the existing NAFTA. (laughs) To that, I would say, bravo, comrade, dragging it on as long as possible. Let it be known that the Canadians dragged it on for a good month. (laughs) God, God bless those strong and stalwart Canadian leaders like Justin Trudeau. We're going to drag this out as long as possible. Four weeks later, you can just see him sitting by the phone. Do you think he's going to call? Should I call? It's been a month. It's been a month, Justin. Don't you think you should call? No. No, I don't want to. I don't want to call. Maybe he'll call first. Do you think he'll call? Do you think we've exerted enough pressure on Donald Trump to make him call us? (laughs) It's 
an alternate reality. Keeping the status quo is, is I think, privately what Canada, what Canada would want. But the risk there in not making a deal is that the longer you don't make a deal, the uh, longer you risk this president, who we know is, you know, impulsive, erratic, there, there acts on impulse. There um, it is. <laughs> he's impulsive. He's erratic. He acts on impulse, ladies and gentlemen. It seems to me as a casual, again, if you're being completely unbiased and objective, as a casual onlooker watching this charade, this menagerie unfold before our eyes, for a president who is apparently impulsive, erratic, and unpredictable, it seems that everything he says he's going to do, he ends up bloody doing. (laughs) I'm going to renegotiate NAFTA and get a better deal for America. Here we are. Here we are. NAFTA renegotiated, better deal for America. Mexico couldn't wait to sign it. Canada thought they were going to hold out for as long as possible. That was a month. And then they signed it too. (laughs) How erratic and unpredictable of Donald Trump to come through with the exact same thing that he's been telling you he was going to do for the previous two years. But of course, if the corporate press were to admit that Donald Trump has a particular negotiating style that he eventually gets what he wants and that it's not unpredictable and erratic at all but rather it's methodical and predictable then that would shatter the entire paradigm that's been built around the man. Back to the article on CNN just to close. Interesting interesting last paragraph here. Of course there is one final element that still remains very much an open question. Will a Democratic-controlled House, if such an institution emerges from the midterm elections just six weeks away, approve any trade pact bearing a Trump signature? Very good question. In fact, the Democrats would do well to consider carefully whether a reflexive veto is actually in their best long-term interests. A deal, after all, is a deal. And this one does protect a host of interests and groups that should be firmly in the Democratic camp. Save your ammunition, writes the author, for the winnable battles. An interesting question because the assumption here, of course, is that the Democrat Party circa 2018 is capable of acting, one, in their own interests, and two, in the interests of their constituents. Now, one may argue that whilst that is an optimistic yet achievable aim, and maybe maybe the Democrats would behave differently when they are the majority in the House rather than the minority. That's definitely true. That might be true. You know, you have to you have to go about your politics a certain way to win back votes. Now, whether that whether the way that they're going about it is actually going to win back votes or not, time will tell. But that doesn't necessarily govern the way you govern, so to speak, when you win back the majority. But if we are to us, can we assume that the the Democrats are capable of acting in their own interests and the interests of their constituents in regards to these trade deals? Well, I would point you to the last two years, where we have seen the Democrat Party time after time, and time after time, set fire to their own interests, destroy their own chances of re-election attempt to destroy their own chances of winning back the house regardless of how it affects their constituents purely in the name of opposing 
Donald John Trump. Thanks for tuning in, guys. To stay tuned with more shows and updates, follow on on Twitter, at Boogie Bumper. If you want to become a subscriber and help us grow and reach a larger audience, please do so by clicking the subscribe button on your Podbean app or heading over to patreon.com forward slash Boogie Bumper. If you want to join in the live show every Thursday night, 11 p.m. on Periscope, Stream Me or YouTube, just look for Boogie Bumper in any one of those apps and we'll be there. We'll see you then. And until next time, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.